Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by El Fakador Laurie Blake. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm grand, thank you. Another I Friday. Am... Another Friday, another another podcast, another day, another dollar. Uh, happy uh, Easter weekend for you. Oh yeah, what are you going to do? I, happy we, happy Easter weekend to you and yours, wherever you may be celebrating your kitchen, your living room, your garden. Well, I might actually go out into the garden this weekend. Um, we have, I mean, my wife has threatened me with the idea that we might mow the lawn and then go out there and like read some books or something. Oh, Which gross. I don't know, I mean, it's probably a good idea, I guess. But also at the same time, I don't really want to mow the lawn. Feel the sun on your skin. <laughs> no one else can feel it for you. I just, yeah, I like, I like outside, but uh, I wouldn't mow a lawn to go there. <laughs> Even now. Even now, mate. Uh, but let's dive into the show itself because we have got a big old question to ask is, was WrestleMania a failure? Then we're going to talk about the AEW and NXT ratings war. Dive into your mailbag questions and we'll be back for the outro. Here is the show. I think it's fair to say that WrestleMania 36 way exceeded a lot of our expectations. And in mm-hmm. fact, I thought it was a cracking WrestleMania overall. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think your, the measurements for success, obviously, uh, are twofold. One is creative success, and the second is financial success. And maybe WrestleMania wasn't number two, but number one, I think it definitely was. I think they rose uh, to the occasion admirably. They put on some really interesting matches. I think WWE this week in general has put on some really interesting matches, like Champion mm. Gargano from NXT this week was a very good example of how to do an empty arena uh, style match. Um, I think they did a lot to entertain. They went above and beyond. Um, some of the matches are incredible from WrestleMania. Uh 
Bray Wyatt, John Cena, obviously having the most production put into it, but Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins absolutely crushed it. Like there is so much, the ladder match was amazing. There's so much in there that was really worth watching. But yeah, like were people watching, I guess is the big question. Well, yeah, that's it. Cause it has a, like to echo your like sentiment, I thought it was a really, really good show. You know, me and Adam did the podcast reviews mm-hmm. of it and Adam said that it's in his top 10 WrestleManias of all time. And you know, the, the, the Cena white match might be his favorite WrestleMania of all time. Ollie Davis gave it six stars, mm-hmm. uh, which he's never done for a match before. I thought, you know, for my money, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte was awesome. Oh, yeah. I thought it was such a good match. Um, and that was the sort of match where you got drawn into it so much you did not realise there wasn't a crowd there. Uh, I thought that they absolutely crushed it. I think weirdly the pressure's off though, isn't it? Because I think going in, everyone's expectations were so like low. Yeah, you right. Just came out really enjoying the show. Like, I feel like we had that same we had that same feeling when we watched Elimination Chamber this year because we were so over the idea of like well this person's gonna win and this is gonna happen and everything's kind of uh, a foregone conclusion that actually the show turned out to be really really fun because you just the pressure's off you to enjoy it almost yeah absolutely and i think wrestlemania being the pinnacle of wrestling every single year for wwe just even from an like for obviously the pressure is on those guys massively but even from the audience perspective your need to enjoy it feels heightened because it's the super bowl of wrestling it's that like you know you need to be invested here um and this yeah. year i felt like i actually finally was like really really super like you know not i think last year kofi mania and all that stuff and everything coming to fruition that was a pretty damn good wrestlemania but this year was just a very relaxed going into it wrestlemania you were kind of like here's what we're getting and then stuff still paid off in a really big way and I think it helped the fact it was over two nights, you know, two, three hour shows was so much more easier to digest than mm. one seven hour show. Um, seven I, hour I show really with helped. no audience would have been Oof, like, Whoa. no, yeah. no thanks. Even with it all being pre-taped. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you made the point earlier that this is kind of sort of a twofold argument, really. And it kind of come, it, it, it kind of couples with the magazine show that we did last week, which was, you know, the ratings are massively down on wrestling at the moment. And mm-hmm. sort of why are they down? And um, Dave Meltzer wrote in this week's Wrestling Observer, which came out last night, hence why we're talking about it on this week's show, uh, that this year's WrestleMania might be almost the worst performing mania in history, could mm-hmm. you know possibly be. Uh, he writes, unlike with UFC, where the money comes from just doing the show, with WWE for WrestleMania, the money comes from LiveGate, merchandise, network subscription increases, and to, and to a smaller extent, whatever is left of pay-per-view. Now, of course, with this being an empty arena show, there was no live gate. Mm-hmm. They might have done some merchandise sales from WWE.com, but they would be nowhere near as big as it would have been in the actual building itself. And we'll get into the network subscriptions later, but they haven't announced a number yet. And mm. we usually do know the number sort of around this sort of time and the expectation is that it is going to be lower than what it was last year um he continues early indications don't look good google searches the most accurate predictor of a pay-per-view number and interest historically past the pay-per-view numbers themselves were way down particularly for the second day television ratings for the pre-show were down terribly but going from the usa network to fs1 they were going to be down some but the decrease was actually shocking mm. um so yeah so last year's subscription number was 1.7 million 
Um, and yeah, no, uh, Dave Meltzer writes, no one expects that number to be that high this year for all the obvious reasons. If it's in, within 5% of that number and WWE can't do arena shows until September or later, then that would be a big success. If it's more than 10% from that number, then the call wasn't nearly so good. Like, so Dave's argument is that they should not have done WrestleMania and held off until mm-hmm. people could go back into the building, which I'm not sure I 100% agree with. I yeah I think like actually postponing WrestleMania holds up the production of the wrestling more than you would I think than it it would do anything else because you literally cancel the thing that people have been investing a year into like completely I think as fans you invest into a person going like what are they going to do at Mania more often than not and I wanted to see uh, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte I wanted to see whatever the payoff for Kevin Owens Seth Rollins was going to be at at WrestleMania I wanted to see Edge return and face Randy Orton like if you just cancel WrestleMania you've taken the end off all of those stories and then what's the point in me investing in any stories that you're going to do going forward because it just feels like you might cancel them and obviously in the current climate things are probably going to get cancelled anyway yeah but I think as a sport like as in an entertainment in a sort of sporting industry that is also packaged up as storylines and the storylines are the things that keep people in the game you have to pretend like stuff isn't going to get cancelled yeah no i i think the the argument would have been that you would have just uh, you just spread the matches out and just sort of done them on raws and smackdowns mm-hmm. and then sort of built new stories to build into what would have been your second wrestlemania that would have just come later on in the year and but I, I completely disagree with Meltzer on the sense that, and we've kind of talked about this on the show previously, that when we are allowed back into the buildings again, mm-hmm. those shows should do very well. Yeah. And because people will just be excited for the fact that we can go see wrestling, like SummerSlam this year, if we're able to go to SummerSlam, you know, that's going to be a really big mm-hmm. show. And like network subscribe subscriptions are probably going to be up way more than last year's SummerSlam would have been because people will just be excited to see live wrestling again with a crowd there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if holding off WrestleMania, probably, you know, it, you would have just got the same result with SummerSlam. Um, maybe WrestleMania's got more of a mainstream appeal if you want to make that argument. But I do think that even if you didn't help, even if you, you know, they didn't cancel it and they're just going on as normal, I think we would have got the same result. Yeah. But I think also, like, WWE has done this WrestleMania proved that uh, some of these matches with no crowd and in different sort of styles can work. So there is a workable wrestling formula. I think if they'd have cancelled all of the wrestling, if they cancelled WrestleMania and just carried on doing all these matches on Raw and SmackDown, people would have gone, oh, well, it's completely not worth watching wrestling anymore. But because you've done it as part of WrestleMania, hopefully the the really hardcore wrestling fans are going to watch WrestleMania and they're going to go, actually, I really like Boneyard matches. I really like uh, Firefly Funhouse style matches. I wouldn't mind in a time where they definitely can't really make normal wrestling if they did more of that mm-hmm. if that you know yeah. they, it's a good way to sell people on the idea of what wrestling might have to be for a few months now um but yeah like cancelling wrestlemania i think would have just done them more damage because it just would have made them feel like you know people people were already disappointed that they weren't going to get to fly out there and see it or travel down and spend the weekend with that whole you know the, the pomp and grandeur of the wrestlemania weekend where you get yeah, smacked yeah. down on the friday take over wrestlemania and then you get the roar on the monday like nobody got to do that so they obviously they've lost a lot of money from doing that but you the thing you also don't want to do there is lose goodwill yes no yeah. you're right absolutely absolutely right on that one and as i said like i think because it exceeded so many people's expectations 
I would argue that putting on WrestleMania in the state that it was was completely the right call mm-hmm. because I think it's actually given a lot of people, you know, people were quite down on WWE heading into WrestleMania. And I think actually doing things like, as you said, the Boneyard match, the uh, the Firefly Funhouse match, just putting on two really good nights of professional wrestling has kind of raised their stock within fans' minds. And people mm-hmm. were more positive. Se- I haven't seen people be this positive about the WWE product, you know, in terms of our comments and sort of our viewership and stuff. I've not seen people be this positive about WWE probably since The Fiend debuted, mm-hmm. you know, back at SummerSlam last year, like his in-ring debut. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I get, like the, the the thing with wrestling without fans in empty arenas is there is a sect of people who are just going to be immediately put off by that, and you're not going to win them back with any fancy boneyard matches or Firefly Funhouse stuff. They'll probably tune in and maybe watch those on a like on an illegal stream or something, maybe. But like, yeah. I think you've just you've just lost them because they just don't think it matches up to the product that they loved um and i I guess a lot of people also thought those were quite hokey those two matches but then but then for everyone else people who are a bit more i guess like open to it changing and and shifting in this time like i think it was they both were really good examples of fun stuff they can do i think the boneyard match was definitely stupider uh (laughs) i really enjoyed how stupid it was yeah it's so the the argument that Meltzer's sort of made in the Observer as well is that you know interest in this show sort of like from a general perspective was way down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he writes at press time the WWE Network had more viewers for day one, even though Sunday is the familiar day. The Sunday pregame show with Liv Morgan versus Natalia did the better of the two on the WWE Network and on television. Google searches were even more pronounced. WrestleMania would be expected to do three to four million Google searches. So you know as Meltzer said earlier, that's kind of like the best. It's the best indicator of how well a pay-per-view mm-hmm. is doing. It's not the social media metrics that businesses often share out because those mean diddly squats. Yeah. Um, but Google searches are really where you know you can track the money. Um, so WrestleMania previously would have done three to four million searches. The Saturday show did one million, way under mm. expectations, and Sunday did two hundred and seventy thousand, which is even lower than you know the Saturday one million. Uh, he said, which is so low, it's beyond shocking. Uh, and only 50,000 of that was actually for WrestleMania. The breakdown was 100,000 for Charlotte Flair, 50,000 for McIntyre. Cena was uh, uh, Cena was 20,000. Wow. Uh, uh, sorry, McIntyre was, McIntyre was 50,000 and Cena was Mac- uh, 20,000. Sorry. McIntyre was 50,000, Cena was 50,000, Mandy Rose was 20,000. Oh, uh, okay. And then WrestleMania was the, the other half of that. Uh, day one on uh, FS1. So bearing in mind, last year's pre-show for WrestleMania on the USA did 749,000 viewers. As Melter mm-hmm. said, it, you know you would expect these to be lower to different channel, but they're way lower than expected. Last year's in the USA did 749,000 viewers. This year, day one did 106,000 viewers. Day two did 112, peaking at 132 for Liv Morgan. So what we have yeah. learned here is that Liv Morgan is a draw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, uh, certainly, you know, she certainly is. She's a proven draw in WWE. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that is like it, it, there was a lack of interest in mm-hmm. WrestleMania this year, most likely because people have got other things on their minds, you know, with everything everything that's going on. But you know, as we were talking about last week, ratings for these shows are just generally down at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think people just like, yeah, I just think people aren't interested in this bastardized version of wrestling at the moment, like which is. Fair enough, I guess. Like, you know, if they said we're going to put on basketball matches still, but it's going to be 1v1s on a street court, but it's also just 
you know, it's also astroturf, so the ball goes flying off in weird directions. It's like people would just be like, I don't really want to watch that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, Ollie was posting... Even a, if it posting is the, LeBron. But <laughs> 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 Ollie posting the Discord yesterday, something like ESPN have said that their uh, their traffic is down like 40% mm-hmm. or something like that because like just the, the interest in sport is so low at the moment because, yep. I mean, wrestling pretty much is the only sport that's still continuing because every other sport has stopped. Um, it's, it's just WWE, AEW and UFC that are still trying to, to fly the flag for, for live entertainment. Yeah, and I think it's weird, isn't it? Because I guess, like, with sport, for me, like, I've, I've stopped watching videos about climbing because I can't go climbing, and mm. it just pisses me off <laughs> watching videos <laughs> about it. So, like, uh, yeah, I guess maybe that's why people have, you know, obviously sport's not really running, but maybe that's why interest in sporting channels is down because there's no news. Sport, I guess sport only really lives... Who Do people really go back and re-watch whole matches like people watch highlights from like yeah i don't know big moments but they're normally big parts of documentaries where it's like multiple matches it's not people just go like well let's just watch this one game because on itv showing like all of euro 96 this year like instead of because we're not going to get the euro 2020 so they're just showing euro 96 Yeah, well, pick a good one. Uh, like, <laughs> hey, Euro '96 was a good one. Yeah, it was. It was okay for us. Uh, but yeah, I think it's that. That's the point, isn't it? It's like there's not a great deal of rewatchability to some of this stuff. And if things aren't advancing, then people get a bit like, well, I'm not interested. And regular sport has that problem more acutely than wrestling, I think, because wrestling people are invested in like the the matches that are happening they'll be like oh that's a really good point in history to go back and watch because this says all this stuff and this influenced all these things going forward um but yeah i guess if it's actually continuing to go on in this really weird form people just get a bit disinterested i'd be interested to see what the take up of things like the um edge documentary and the undertaker one were mm. um and also like the interest in say dark side of the ring yeah because you know those are probably more going to typify what people's interest in wrestling is now than because people aren't going to watch a wrestling show but they are going to watch something about wrestling that maybe doesn't have a really weird form of wrestling in it yeah and i was thinking about this yesterday and i wanted to ask you this question on the show um because if this wasn't our job if this Mm. wasn't what we did for a living would i still have watched raw and smackdown in this situation you know in in this sort of Mm -hmm. current climate that we're currently in and I think I certainly would have watched the first couple of shows for that curiosity of like, what does an empty arena show? And the second that I saw that it was just a lot of archive material and a lot of little else, I probably would have stopped watching. Yeah. But the but the praise and everything that you know, all the praise around WrestleMania probably would have made me t- check it out. Certainly, mm-hmm. things like the Firefly Funhouse match and the Boneyard match, and you know, some of the other matches that got you know a lot of praise probably wouldn't have watched braun versus goldberg but you know i certainly would have checked out some other things i would have watched wrestling in the same way that i watch wrestling now if it's not my job to have watched that show like Mm -hmm. when it's not my job to watch a show now i just watch the bits that i want to (laughs) watch yeah (laughs) you know i just skip a load of the stuff that is crap (laughs) so um you know if i'm watching if i go back and i rewatch a pay-per-view that i wasn't doing the reactions for i'll just watch most I'll probably watch most of it, but I might skip some of the matches if I don't think they're going to really excite me. Or I've read a review. I've normally seen a review by that point, normally ours, that says what the matches were like. So I'll just watch the ones that were, you know, Ollie said was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Like, there's not. 
it doesn't wrestling is still weirdly this own one of the only appointment to view tv programs still going on where it's like every monday you got to come back and you got to watch raw but they don't have three hours worth of material yeah so they probably should have done gone down to an hour or an hour and a half and that is your raw and then the other hour and a half is another wwe show that just starts immediately afterwards yeah, and that no, could be all your archive stuff, but it just doesn't have that same packaging, so people just know it, yeah. which bit of raw to tune into. Yeah, that's completely it. And I, I totally agree with you on that point. Ollie and I talked about this on the Raw review on Monday, whether you know they probably should have approached USA Network to say, look, we cannot do three hours of Raw mm-hmm. every week. It's unsustainable in with you know the the taping schedules that we've got. There's only so much you can really tape and pre-plan for. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of got reflected in the Raw ratings this week. You know, this is the Raw after WrestleMania, and it did just over two million viewers, which is pretty much what it did. You know, for the last what it's done for the last few weeks. Last mm. week it did under 2 million but you know it's it has been doing around about the 2 million mark it was 2.9 million for for last mm. year's raw after wrestlemania and you look at the ratings patterns it starts you know at about sort of 2.1 2.2 for hour 1 but it dips below 2 million for hour 3 because mm. it's just a slow steady decline even though they were heavily promoting throughout that show Drew McIntyre, WWE champion, the shocking the shocking aftermath of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. They're, apparently, they're just—I think people tuned in to see <sighs> what the Raw after WrestleMania. <laughs> I think people tuned in to see what the Raw after WrestleMania was going to look like, realized little had changed, and just slowly tuned out. Exactly. And I think that, yeah. But if you if you condense that down to two hours, and then your th- your third hour is just an archive show, I think people would be more willing to watch a two-hour show than they would a three-hour show. I think the, the the key is is that they're not making a live product anymore, and the reason Raw has been three hours is because one, they obviously want that big, huge slot of TV time, but two, because it's a live show. For like first and foremost, it, it goes out live to an audience, and wrestling audience don't want to pay. You wouldn't pay whatever the cost of a Raw ticket is seventy quid or something in the UK to have one hour of wrestling. You would pay for lots of wrestling and you want it to feel like it's an important part of the product. So like, you know, when you go see thing anyway, you're there for like five hours. They film some main event matches to warm you up and then they do a whole episode of Raw. Um, that's not what they're making anymore because there's no audience. So you don't need all the filler that normally goes into a Raw, which is mm-hmm. partly what everyone complains about it anyway. So this might be a really good time to cut out all the crap <laughs> and all of the padding and just make a really streamlined wrestling show. Because, I mean, the, the only alternative they've worked out is to just go Apollo Crews, Alistair Black, you're getting half an hour. Yeah. Why? <laughs> good match though uh, <laughs> no, I know it's a good match but like it's so weird to do like, yeah. off, off the back of nothing off the back of Alistair Black having a much shorter match with Bobby Lashley yeah totally it's mental um, so yeah I think sort of to, to kind of like finalise on this point for me I think they absolutely 100% should have gone ahead with Wrestlemania I mm-hmm. thought it was the really wise decision in hindsight I think it was completely the right decision Yeah. Um, whether or not they knew it was going to be as good as it was is a very different matter you know I think the reports were that Vince McMahon just wanted to get it out of the way mm-hmm. um, so it was more like you know they did it out of because they had to more than spite. anything but I th- <laughs> yeah exactly out of spite but I still think it was the right call because I think there's been a no. lot of interest in the product at least well not interest but there's certainly been a lot of positivity around the product and that's a good mm-hmm. thing that you can 
you can carry on with. I think but from a match transcended wrestling as well for a period as well. Like, yeah. you know, on Sunday, everyone, like, I had a text off all my mates who don't watch wrestling saying, like, wasn't there some sort of boneyard match? Because it's like <laughs> yeah. just went around social media. So, yeah. Uh, but from a financial standpoint, yeah. Uh, you know, and from sort of like a general interest standpoint, the the time of year when you are going to get the most eyes on your product, maybe it wasn't the the right call because mm-hmm. th- maybe they're not going to be as interested in the term SummerSlam than they are WrestleMania. Sure, I, I I think it's it's just a difficult thing, isn't it? Because I just think the inevitability of financial loss was is looming over everyone at the moment, yeah. and I just think it's. It doesn't matter what you do, you're going to lose money. So you might as well try to do the best you can. Um, and I think WWE went out there and actually tried their best. Because like, I would say, like, my interest in coffee has gone down because I can't go buy a coffee that someone else has made yeah. a nice one. I can only have the coffee I can make in my house, which is inferior to those coffees. Um, yeah. But like, I think that's, you know, if, if such simple things are being taken away from us and you start to enjoy them less as, as a product of that obviously people are going to enjoy wrestling less because it's not the thing that they were buying into before which is you know the pomp and the ceremony i think has been heavily baked into wrestling yeah since uh the first wrestlemania yeah uh, i also wonder as well I, I just thought this point on top of my head i actually haven't asked him yet but i wonder like my friend who was going to be going to wrestlemania mm-hmm. i don't know if he's actually watched it because yeah. i think it is part of him that's just like it's you know i was so excited to go then i couldn't go I don't mm-hmm. really want to watch it either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's jump into the AEW versus NXT ratings war because for the first time in 2020, NXT picked up the V. Ooh. It picked up the victory. Um, they drew uh, 693,000 viewers while AEW drew 692,000 viewers. They Ooh. beat them by just 1,000 viewers. AEW still won the all-important 18 to 49 demographic, but big win for, you know, I say a big win for NXT. You know, it was, you know, as their first win of 2020. Mm-hmm. I just, again, it's... I guess it doesn't really mean much, does it? It's like both both shows are down about, well, NXT's down 100, 200,000. Yeah. Uh, AEW's down 400,000. About three, yeah, three, three like, to four, they're yeah. normally hovering around the million mark. Um, so, yeah, like both shows have lost viewers. Uh, NXT had the benefit, I think, this week of having pitched the end to their best feud ever. So, yeah, you know, and what a match it was as well. So, great um, match. I just think, yeah, that, that it, it, it's sad, really, because that is far less people than should have been watching that show. And I, I would love to have seen this week's NXT, if that match had been on, you know, this week's NXT with a crowd um, and interest was still high, if that would have meant that it outperforms a regular episode of AEW. That would have been yeah. a more interesting point because I think NXT was just the more heavily advertised of the shows putting on a match that people were more hungry for. What was on AEW this week? Not a huge... Like it was the start of the TNT tournament. So you had Cody versus Sean Spears, um, some squash matches with Lance Archer and Brody Lee, uh, a comedy tag match. Um, there, was, there, there wasn't a lot that was heavily promoted outside of the TNT mm-hmm. uh, match, but next week they, are, they were heavily advertising it's, it's Moxley versus Hager for the title in a no-holds-barred match. So, yeah. so I'd imagine they will, they're probably going to look for a victory next week because they are promoting a world title match. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I think, yeah, start of a tournament, people just think, ah, oh, just pick it up afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. was like hungry for the first bracket. No. Um, people are hungry for the final. So, uh, 
Yeah, I just think it's a very weird time for wrestling, and and it's a shame because I think uh, NXT this week was actually really, really damn good. The ladder match was bloody great as well. Um, yeah. Oh, even yeah. If, very safe, but very great. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, let's dive into your mailbag questions. If you want to become one of our uh, Patreon, what? No, if you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our Patreon on Patreon at any dollar amount. It's today. I know, I'm all over the show. I've got to go shopping at some point. I'm just the, <laughs> the, the dread of, uh, of going outside. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, leave a comment in the community tab uh, labeled mailbag. Uh, otherwise, I will just lose it. Uh, this first one comes in from Tay Peck, who says, Hey, Luke, Ollie, Chopper, Laurie, Pete, Adam, and the rest of the team that I forgot. What if you could clarify uh, on the status of SoCal Val? She hasn't been around for a bit, and I, for one, miss her bubbly energy I thought she brought to your shows and podcasts. Will she return eventually, and if so, in what capacity? Keep up the great work. P.S. Hope everyone in England is staying safe. Still have access to steady amounts of tea. Um, I do have a good study of tea. Uh, luckily enough, you know, just prior to all of this, around December last year, I switched to loose leaf tea. Ooh. And when you go shopping, there's lots of loose leaf tea available, but mm-hmm. there's very few of the actual packets available. So I made the switch just at the right time. Uh, we, we've just been lucky with the shops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our shops are really well stocked for some reason. Um, uh, on SoCal Val, uh, because of the changes to Screen Stalker, we've not been working with Val quite as much. Um, but I'm sure she'll be back in some capacity. We're hoping to get her on Quizzlemania at some point, I believe. We are indeed, yeah. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, so yeah. she'll be joining us for that. 
Uh, and I wanted to thank Wilson Simons uh, for his mailbag fantasy booking. Uh, sorry, it was it was just it was too long to read out. It was uh, it was a heck of a heck of a read. But I've sent it across to Adam uh, for him to read. I very much enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, I've sent it to Adam for for his feedback on it as well. Um, Scott Agrila, uh, this question is actually a bit painful to write, but I do think it has some relevance. I generally have similar definitions of quality and entertaining wrestling as you, Jess. However, do you ever stop to consider that we are part of the minority and a dissipating one at that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think AEW provides a product that is exceptionally better than anything WWE has produced in the last decade and a half, yet it doesn't seem to matter. There is a finite number of fans looking for an alternative that tune in and a group of loyalists that tune into NXT. Both of those shows are superior, or by mutual definition, to anything the main roster has put forth in a long time, yet they cannot combine reach the same ratings as Raw or SmackDown. While ratings are slumping and continue to decline across the two main shows, I think it may be increasingly apparent that the viewer loss is not due to bad wrestling. Many viewers probably don't care about in-ring quality of the product. They tune in for the car crash soap opera garbage. Once they, they that loses their attention, they leave never to return. Do you think that quality wrestling really stands a chance, or is our little niche getting increasingly and irre- irreversibly smaller? I don't know if it's getting smaller, but um, yeah, I mean, there's always been a very, very distinct... Um, line in the sand between those who watch wrestling because they like wrestling and those who watch wrestling because they've always watched wrestling and they like mm-hmm. the the pomp and circumstance and the drama around it. Yeah, and I just I also but I also would say that WWE's pomp and circumstance and drama has been crap. It's not like it's not. I wouldn't argue that like people. I think you can both can coexist. You can definitely do soap and good wrestling. And I think WrestleMania had examples of both. I think. Uh, Otis and Dolph Ziggler was a really good story that played out really well at WrestleMania. And then you still had good wrestling matches. Uh, I think they can coexist in the WWE ecosystem. It's just they choose not to um, and often are hampered by Vince McMahon's particular comedy bent, which is uh, veer as close to racism. If the man (laughs) can dress up as a woman, that would be great. And (laughs) if they can call them a bitch, that would be also good. I mean, there is, you look at the the ratings trends of the Attitude Era, you know, when wrestling was really at its peak in terms of how many people were watching the product on a weekly basis. And, you know, as much as I think that he is wrong 99% of the times, if there's one thing that Vince Russo was right, it was that people were into the soap opera stuff, not the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yes. The ratings pattern showed that whenever they were doing angles, people tuned in. When they did wrestling, people tuned out. That's why if you go back and watch old episodes of Raw's, matches are like one minute long. They mm-hmm. are, and it is rapid fire because we need to get through the commercial break. We need to have a quick wrestling match and we need to do another angle. And the angles yeah. go way longer. Rock and Mankind, the uh, It's Your Life segment. It went about like, you know, 40 hours. But it's the most <laughs> watched segment that WWE had. And it's not mm-hmm. a wrestling match. So, yeah, that casual market didn't really care for wrestling. They just liked the characters and wanted to see what storylines the characters were in. Yeah, and it, but it helped that the characters they had at the time were really good like yeah exactly stone cold steve austin uh the rock are two of the best talkers they've ever had and that's the thing they're lacking at the moment is that they've put all the belts on people who can't talk like and you know as good as paul Heyman is at talking you know recently as good as paul Heyman was at talking for brock lesnar he does just say the same thing every week because brock lesnar's not really a character he's just a, a big a really big man and there's a difference between just doing promos and doing angles and, and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I think there's that thing of like, yeah, there, there needs to be some greater storyline there. And I, the problem is they keep trying to do that and they keep doing it badly, and then that reflects badly, and then they go, "Oh, we shouldn't do that anymore." And yeah. you, you, they need to learn that they what they did was a bad one and do a good one, and then have a good <laughs> response to it. And I think Otis and uh, Ziggler might be 
sort of the, the proof of that of going like well this is a thing that turned out really good because you put people who you use the right people in that right spot when otis and like i don't think otis is an amazing wrestler but he's a very uh charismatic man and i think dolph ziggler is a very handy wrestler good in any sort of spot but he is also very good at the acting and the charisma side of it yeah and so they they pitch those two people together perfectly yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Undisputed Jailer, uh, I first off want to start by thanking you guys for making wrestling, especially WWE, more enjoyable. I always look forward to your news and reviews. Keep up the great work. On to the question. I see a lot of people really like the idea of Two Night Mania because it's easy to watch, but I don't think it's actually doable under normal circumstances. The only reason why Mania was able to go over two nights was because there was no TakeOver mm. or Hall of Fame. How do you factor in the Hall of Fame and a TakeOver into a Two Night Mania structure, especially now that SmackDown is on Friday evenings? Uh, and even if you were to merge TakeOver and Mania card together, you're still going to get two seven-hour Manias, which is no good because the point of two-day Manias is to prevent the drawn-out cards. I also don't like the thought of moving the Hall of Fame because I like to see new inductees get their recognition in front of a huge crowd on WWE's biggest night. Sorry for the long mail. Keep up the good work. It's a very interesting point, actually, that you know we've, I've been very much an advocate since Saturday and Sunday for two-night Manias. But then, yeah, where does TakeOver go in all of that? I think you just move TakeOver to its own weekend somewhere else. Um, or you ditch takeovers and include NXT talent in WWE main roster shows. Or do you see. do it? It's so you have takeover on that Wednesday, so that live NXT becomes mm. the takeover. Then you do um, Hall of Fame on the Thursday, SmackDown on the Friday, WrestleMania Saturday, Sunday, Raw after Mania on the Monday. I think I see. I think. I mean, it's, I, it's, too, it's too much wrestling, but I think it, it's it, too much wrestling. I think they're better. I think they're better off sticking with what they were doing before. Like, I think Two Night Mania was, like, was a way to make it sound like it was a good thing that we were getting the this weird version of WrestleMania. You know, the too big for one night is a better thing to say than uh, we're doing it in an empty arena. Yeah, <laughs> um, and really, it was too big for three nights because uh, it was too big for two nights because we got the you know WrestleMania again on on uh, Monday with exactly. the uh, the big show match. Yeah, exactly. And and so I just think it's it just makes more sense to go back to what they were doing before. And actually what they should think about doing um, is cutting down the length of the WrestleMania card from seven hours to maybe five. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the reason people like TakeOver so much is because, one, the wrestling is very good and the stories people are heavily invested in. But two, it lasts as long as people's attention span lasts. And yeah. they 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 cut that fight. They sort of cut it off at that exact point where people would be like, I, I, can't, I can't watch any more wrestling now. <laughs> uh, Abnerhav says, Hey Luke and Laurie, I am back and better than ever. I missed you guys so much. During these times, I realised who were the ones who have helped me when I was in a bad place, and as I'm stable with money, I can now give back. Thank you very very much. Thank you, mate. It's good to have you back. Now my question: Do you think the Firefly Funhouse or Boneyard match worked so well because the viewers had prior connections to the characters? I was never I was never able to get into Matt Hardy's broken character because I did. Did not follow him in Impact, and when he came to WWE, he didn't introduce the character properly or give us a reason to be invested. That's his fault. Uh, do you think WWE? Uh, do you think uh, in AEW, instead of continuing up from where he left off, uh, he should introduce the whole character and make it interesting? Love you, Laurie's number one fan, Abnehav. Um, I would say probably the the investment in the characters is what made those matches so good. I think you. I think. Undertaker transcends wrestling anyway to friend of Post Malone and lots of people know who he is from the Attitude Era. So I think interest in that match is kind of easy to get anyway because people are either going to think it's um, genius 
or they're going to think it's a bit crap, but also genius, or they're yeah. going to think it's crap. Like, I think it's kind of goes multiple ways, but I think the John Cena-Bray Wyatt match is much more difficult to show to somebody who's not uh, a wrestling fan. For yeah. instance, like or who's I showed, followed I showed, all the careers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I showed my missus, and she was she wanted to see the John Cena match because I was raving about it, and I showed her, and she was like, "What is this?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, it's kind, it kind of it's difficult to because yeah. I have to give a running commentary of why it's so brilliant." Uh, yeah, because you know it just doesn't it isn't a wrestling match. No. It's a it's a but it's like a mood board of John Cena's career and a, and a roast at the same time. It's genius. It's incredible. But like, yeah, if you're not, in, if you, if you know John Cena because you watched Blockers or you watched uh, Playing With Fire, then you're not really going to get the full ins and outs of what's going on. No, I completely agree. With the Matt Hardy thing, I think like a lot of people, Matt Hardy's first run in, in TNA when he was well, Impact Wrestling, when he was the broken character, it was just so different that a lot of people sort of gravitated towards it. And again, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of going back to that question we had earlier. It's a very niche market, a very niche group of people that were gravitating towards it. So when it went to WWE and Vince didn't get it, they tried it once. They, he didn't like it. They never did it again. Mm -hmm. Had they tried it a couple of more times, maybe it would have gone more into a mainstream audience. Maybe more of the mainstream audience would have picked up on it. Maybe they would have enjoyed it as well. But it wasn't really given the chance to succeed. Um, mm -hmm. whether it gets over in AEW is a different question you know I've not been overly enamored with the stuff they've done in AEW since uh, since he's gone there I did not like the teleportation stuff I don't care how many people tell me that it was Vanguard <laughs> projecting him they said it was teleporting initially yeah. then it rewrote it fans, that's still dumb it's, it's, still, it's still silly like, yes. I think that's the thing is like Matt Hardy's uh, broken woken universe has been bubbling away inside his mind for however long um, and I think what he maybe doesn't realise is that he needs to introduce people to it every time he goes somewhere new and, and, and ease people in because it's quite a a it's jump, a jump. To, it's yeah, quite a totally. jump to go I know this guy because he used to jump off ladders to he's got a drone that projects his face and he thinks he's like he's some entity from wherever like I don't even I can't even keep up with it I think it probably will work more I think it'll work better in AEW if only for the fact that the same people that are watching AEW were the same people that were with him four years ago when he started doing the broken stuff yeah like it's, it's that sort of like it's that hardcore audience that want to see him do it whereas yeah. like you know in WWE that's a very niche sector of the of the audience uh chris gardner says uh, i want to start this question off by letting you know that i loved the cinematic matches from mania more than basically anything else on either card with that said is it possible that this could make wwe tv worse moving forward being able to have cinematic smoke and mirrors make an undertaker match in 2020 very entertaining this means that older stars will be waiting even longer to properly retire between this and the saudi shows the attitude era stars will still be selling tickets in 2050 is this a too negative a question uh please uh, if this was a too negative a question please use the following instead what's your favorite biscuit to dip into tea thank you for your continued hard work this is from chris um yeah i mean we made that joke on the, the wrestle podcast that wwe have accidentally stumbled upon the magic formula to, to get another 10 years of undertaker matches yeah but i mean that's not going to be good enough for your saudi prince is it which is the reason no. they they bring most of the old rest legends back nowadays so like it's not that's not going to be good enough for him and also it's probably not you know not everyone is going to want to do a boneyard match undertaker i think is throughout his career quite liked doing theatrics and silliness and the boneyard match was just another version of that um i think he thought it was dead cool 
but yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Um, but also, but, you're only ever you're only ever as good as your last boneyard match. Like if exactly. they do another one and it's not as good, it's the same with the Firefly Funhouse match. I know a lot of people want mm. more of them, but if the second one's not as good, yeah. then you are you you falling into dangerous territory then of diminishing returns. Also, because the Firefly Funhouse match, like you know, what was amazing about the Firefly Funhouse match is it's a match that happened with no match. Yeah, you know, John Cena didn't land a hit. Uh, the Fiend just did the mandible claw. That's that's all that happened in that match. The rest of it was just very well. The rest of it was editing. Really, well. <laughs> basically, Bray Wyatt edited John Cena to a victory. Like <laughs> that's, that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, um. So yeah, I guess like you know, the last time Bray did an actual like match style match was House of Horrors. Mm. and we all know how that turned out oh and also lake of reincarnation uh ultimate deletion like um so yeah like i guess though neither of those were particularly resounding successes because i guess also like the problem with wrestling is like if you do these style matches you actually run out there's no wrestling in those matches because it is just people punching each other normally and then they find a weapon and they go oh i've got you a tombstone um Yeah. yeah I always remember when we did our first live show at the Prince Charles, uh, it was just after Wrestling Media Con, and we were sort of talking about what we could do for that show, and the first thing that Ollie suggested was we could do the dance again, because mm. Ollie enjoyed the doing the dance and the reaction that the dance got so much from MediaCon that he was like, oh, we'll just do it again. Mm. And, but we were like, well, no, because it got over once. Yeah, who's yeah. to say it's going to get over a second time? And let's not just do another dance for the sake of it. There's you know, no preface. And also, you've you've we've burned out the preface there, which was the the reason the dance got over so well is because it was meant to be a punishment, <laughs> and we put far too much effort into it. Yeah. And we had segways. <laughs> and we had segways. So, uh, Robert Ray uh, said, "I mentioned uh, the Bray versus Vince in a Firefly Funhouse match for night two uh, during the night." Um, during the night two WrestleMania review with Luke and Adam, but I think I have a better idea. Bray goes through all of the McMahons and even Triple H one by one over the course of a year. Bray does what he does to Cena and runs through their past and shows how badly the McMahons treated Bray and other stars who could have been top stars. Then it gets to Vince for WrestleMania next year, and that's how you finally kill the Vince McMahon character. Vince has tried to do this for years, and what better way to do it than with The Fiend? Mmm... I do like the idea of Vince being in a Firefly Funhouse match. I'm more interested in it being Vince than Shane and Stephanie, um, but I like Triple H being in there. I think yeah, you could you could easily skip Shane and Stephanie because you could you could. I, I feel like Vince being the final boss of Bray's whatever journey uh, makes a lot of sense, and I think it would be that would be the most interesting finish to it. Because um, you'd, you'd get to the point where you'd be like, well, who's, who is last on his list of people? Yeah. Cause is but it... also, like, once you've done Vince, who do you do then? Well, I, guess, I think that's when you retire the character. Mm. That's when I would either do... Or you, you, would, so you would either do... You would do Vince, and then you would change the way The Fiend is. So you let The Fiend off the hook then. So The Fiend isn't just tried out for matches where Bray has been heavily invested in them. And like you do sort of a story of The Fiend getting away from Bray and, and mm-hmm. Firefly Funhouse Bray has lost control of The Fiend. He isn't summoning him anymore. Or you do it as a reconciliation and Bray transforms into a new character because uh, he's, finished yeah. his, he's finished his unfinished business. 
Uh, Mohammed said, uh, I just read an interesting idea for WrestleMania 37. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus John Cena for the WWE Championship title versus career. Cena breaks Ric Flair's record or he retires. Uh, yeah, I mean, people were, were sort of pitching that for this year's mm-hmm. uh, Mania when they thought it was going to be uh, Cena versus The Fiend for the title. Um, yeah, I could certainly see that. I don't know if Drew will still be champion by this time next year. But uh, I think people really like the idea of John Cena doing this sort of title versus career stipulation. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah. I don't know whether it's time for Cena to retire. He's very good at the uh, acting yeah. bit. Jonathan Edmond, uh, you know uh, would have made the fun house better? Uh, nothing, but maybe playing the Madness song House of Fun at the end. Uh, <laughs> anyway, take care. Uh, I'm doing some work finally, just not what I was expected to be doing. Uh, April 10th is my birthday. I'm one year away from being 50, so yay? Well, happy birthday for oh, happy today. Birthday. Uh, Jonathan, absolutely happy birthday. I believe he is still leading the poll as well, because we had to do the poll twice for uh wrestle talk extra the uh the patreon podcast that ollie and i do and his suggestion is still winning the second poll uh so nice. wrestlemania 21 so well done to you uh dwayne cooley hello wrestle talk uh you guys work on no uh, your guys work on no rolls bard was fantastic cannot wait for season two uh i hope all of you and your families stay sa- stay safe along with the rest of the swath nation now on to my question i was giving us some thought and many people have said that year uh, for years that bray white is bigger than any championship and doesn't need them i always agreed but after the much anticipated firefly funhouse match that i love to death in the first match i've watched since fiend versus final royal rumble uh, i fully agree that bray never needs to win a title ever again we see what happens when he does who do you think past or present is bigger than any championship and does not need or never need a championship i honestly can't think of anyone beyond bray but you could argue that austin and rock but i've thought about it and their championships are what made them same with hogan the championships are also needed in order to rise their prestige yeah, that's a tricky one. I don't think I can think of sort of any character that is, that is bigger than the, the title itself. But yeah, the, the Fiend certainly is one of them. I mean, Undertaker could have been that character had they chosen to make him that character. I think it's it, what's why the Fiend is bigger than a title is because he's got different motivations. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, you know, most, pe- most people who are just normal wrestlers with like a slightly different gimmick, like The Rock and Stone Cold, their gimmick wasn't that they weren't a wrestler. Yeah. The Fiend's gimmick is that he's not a wrestler, really. He's a demon. Yeah. Um, and I think Undertaker could have fit that to being like a, a monster from hell. You know, like there, there, there are characters. Kane could be easily non-title winning Kane and just have uh, stories and beefs with people because the spectacle sometimes is just that they're coming out and doing something. And I think that's, that's where they can deploy the Fiend the best is being like, he's here to just put on good matches with other people, but he's mostly a spectacle and a showcase. Yeah. And then you've got all the other people who can go after titles and elevate the company by being the champion. It's silly to make the Fiend that person because it means he has to lose and that's not what his story actually needs right now. Yeah. Uh, Alice Gaten Hill, uh, hello guys. How have you been using your self isolation time? Thank you for the content. Have you editing. done anything new? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've been heavy on explained this week, Just haven't a you? A lot of editing, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been good. I've learned a lot of new editing tricks. That's good. Uh, we're still playing D and D. Yeah, we're still playing D and D. Quite enjoyed playing of, it online, actually. Done a lot of quizzes. Yeah, we've done a lot of quizzes. Yeah. One, uh, one could argue too many quizzes. I'd argue too many quizzes. Got another <laughs> yeah. one today. Uh, we have, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't learned anything else new. I need to do that, I think. I'm mostly yeah. annoyed that I can't do the things that I wanted to do, so like, uh, I need I've, to work out a way to, tr- to train my fingers. So if I ever get to go back climbing, I'm not just a weak baby and fall off. 
Uh, I've taken up some baking. Uh, I baked a cake the other week, which was very fun. Uh, me and the wife are going to do another one over this weekend. So, yeah, baking is my thing, I guess. Nice. Um, Callum, I hope you guys are keeping yourself safe. Uh, I would like to say that Quizzlemania is the greatest thing on YouTube right now. Here are a few people I would like to see in a future episode. Uh, Adam Pacitti, Will Ospreay, Cody, CM Punk, Kenny Omega, Grim from Grimm's Toy Show, Steve from Stephen Larson, Dave Meltzer. Uh, who would you guys pick? I think a lot of those... Well, there are some of those that might be easier than others. I mm. do not think that we would get... Uh, CM Punk, Omega, or Cody to appear on uh, a little show. Just give Cody a shout, see if he wants to do it. Why not? Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a, quite a good list of people uh, coming up. I've just had an email from someone today confirming they'd like to be a part of it. Um, nice. So yeah, we've got some really, really good people coming up. Um, I think I should be on it. Okay, well, you are. You're on next week's show. Yeah, I'm on next week's show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reese Dengan. Uh, now, full disclosure, I am in the minority that I didn't think the Funhouse match was the home run everyone else seems to think. While very enjoyable, I'm not looking forward to another one, and I don't think it solves the problem of Fiend matches. It just delays it. However, when thinking about the ending, I had a thought of how you could take this and use it in a live match. What if the Fiend starts to use Cena's moves, slowly integrating the shoulder tackles or the leg drop of death and finally hitting the attitude adjustment when he inevitably faces Randy Orton, slowly building that, the Cena, that Cena is now part of the Fiend, despite Bray's efforts to uh, suppress it. Finally building to next year's Mania when we have Funhouse 2, when Bray has to travel into his own mind to wipe out Cena for good. Mm. Maybe. Mm. I, I, oh, I like it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I quite like that. I, I think like the theme matches, I think they can go back to the drawing board and start doing them again. I think the problem was they just jumped the gun from doing... Uh, part one of the, the first scene of a horror film with Finn Balor to the end of a horror film with the second match against Seth Rollins and they should have probably done a few more uh, your opening segment matches yeah because I, I guess that's what the theme was doing before he was doing a horror film but as a wrestling match which is what Explain next week is about. There you go. Very mm. nice. Nice little plug there. Uh, Mike, uh, by the way, this episode I thought was terrific. Uh, I thought Thanks, it was really man. good, man. I thought it was great. Everyone should go check it out. Everyone, Parts Fun Known. Uh, the Fiend Explained Part 2. It's very, very good. On the lore and the backstory. Yes. Uh, Mike says, lovely time with the boys. Uh, can I just say that I enjoyed watching Night 2 of Mania along with Luke and Laurie. Your reactions throughout were wonderful. WrestleMania uh, most certainly needs to be a two-night affair going forward. I think it would be awesome, and I, uh, it'd be an awesome idea if Bray started to collect legends as new puppets for the Funhouse, starting, of course, with a new John Cena action figure. What are your thoughts on that? I like that. See, I, I, I quite like the idea of like the, the Funhouse expanding out to not just be like Bray's safe space anymore and, mm. and starting to incorporate all these things. Because that, that also could be what defeats him, you know, like the, the thing that crushes the Fiend finally is that he's incorporated so many of these other people that dragged him down before and what he thought was resolving it has just brought them closer to him. Uh, Job JJ said, Hello, Swaft Nation and Incredible Rest Talk crew. Uh, not much of a question, but an opinion or theory. Charlotte winning isn't a bad thing, uh, but Ripley losing is. Uh, NXT has lost 95% of the time in the ratings to AEW. The only time NXT has won was at Survivor Series, and Ripley beat Charlotte on SmackDown and Survivor Series. Ripley won the title late December in NXT's marathons of takeovers. Ripley had one title defense against Belair, but Charlotte was involved, and it was clear that Belair was an afterthought, and Charlotte was, uh, wasn't a ratings factor with the build to Ripley. Once AEW got a new TV deal and Vince had given up on NXT, hence why they were squashed on Raw, it, uh, it tells any casual fan and some hardcore fans that the real stars are either legends or what Vince likes. Look at Goldberg. 
One good rating and he was champion and it derailed The Fiend. Yes, Charlotte can have great matches, but Ripley had momentum by beating Baszler and her title reign was for, uh, and her title reign was for her to lose to Charlotte, just like Asuka. Ripley and Asuka both lost to Charlotte and look where Asuka is. NXT is all about protecting titles and the only thing, only change titles when it's time, like AEW with Moxley. It's okay for a short term, but since going head to head with AEW, NXT has barely had any long term plans. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Sorry for the long one, stay safe. Uh, I would always say, with the Ripley thing, it's look at where she is in a year's time as opposed to look at where she is now because mm -hmm. Ripley might end up being a bigger star off the back of the loss. It's not always about the losing. It's, it's the sort of journey you take after that. The reason why Asuka fell apart is because WWE clearly never had any faith in Asuka at yeah. that point in time. I think they've got more faith in Rhea Ripley uh, than they did Asuka. Well, they had no plan for Asuka after the loss, right? So, like, the a loss can be a very good thing. Like, a loss can... Uh, a loss to The Fiend for Seth Rollins made him the Monday Night Messiah. And mm. here we are with the Monday Night Messiah. And that is a much better thing than face Seth Rollins was. Um, Asuka's loss to Charlotte. If Asuka's loss to Charlotte had immediately turned her into Kabuki Warriors Asuka and they used her as much as they're using her now, that would yeah. have been a good thing. People yeah. would have liked that because Kabuki Warriors Asuka, I think, is the superior version of Asuka to the original Asuka. Um, and similarly, I think a loss to Rhea could, you know, it, one, it might just mean that she immediately changes to Raw and SmackDown and she might just be catapulted into main events with Becky and Bailey and whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think it could be a really good thing for her. And yeah, it, it feels like she got a bit short shrifted with that title, but she's also now in very quick sequence been the NXT UK Women's Champion and the NXT Women's Champion. Yeah. So if she now goes on a run where she picks up the SmackDown belt and the Raw belt for a little bit, she can come back to Charlotte and be like, oh, by the way, I'm just as good as you are now, so let's have the final match. Exactly. I can certainly see them doing Charlotte Ripley too at Mania mm -hmm. next year. Uh, Dylan yeah. Tyrrell Reeve, uh, with Drew being WWE Champion, Heath Slater is now the only member of 3MB to not held a title. Uh, while he may never have a run, I do have a suggestion. WWE could bring back the ch championship scramble match, include Slater in it, and have him get one fall in the match, thus meaning all three uh, all three members of 3MB have been WWE champion at one point. Does that count? Are we saying that Brian Kendrick is a former WWE champion because he I got a pinfall? Yeah, I feel like you've got to walk out as the champion. Yeah. But... Uh, my actual question is, uh, Drew said in an interview this week that his ultimate goal now is to get a main roster UK pay-per-view. If that happens in the next 12 months, do you think it would be a good time to call up Pete Dunne and have him become the first English WWE champion at said pay-per-view? I don't know if Vince would have that all that faith in Pete Dunne like off the back straight off the back to be like WWE champion but I could certainly see them putting him on and have him win like a mid-card title yeah I think he's more likely to win an intercontinental belt almost yeah. immediately especially if they did a w, if they did a UK pay-per-view having a, an English guy win the intercontinental title in the UK they quite like that yeah um so <laughs> they probably do that uh but yeah, I can't imagine them putting Vince immediately into the championship picture. I feel like, um, so Pete, I imagine Dunn is going to be a long-term project for when Vince eventually moves away from WWE. <laughs> Uh, Flame Inc. Live. Before I ask my question, I need to I need to address what I mentioned last week. I said AEW might not last because they don't have the backlog to show matches uh, in the past as they are still new. Sure, they could show all in and all out, but they only have so much, uh, so many shows to uh, mm -hmm. rerun. Well, they've got everything taped up until Double or Nothing, which is what we talked about last week. Um, so I think like they've sort of shown since this has all started that they don't need to show any archive stuff. The shows aren't as good. 
but they don't have they haven't had to rely on any archive stuff yet. Mm-hmm. And they've got old episodes of Dynamite. They've got old episodes of you know they've got pay per views to show and everything. So I think they've probably got enough until this is all sort of blown over really. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, on to the question. Uh, after watching the newest Dark Side of the Ring, it dawned on me. Vince Russo versus Jim Cornette hate each other to the point that if they're at the gas station together, one would kill the other. Should Vince get these two together into a street fight and just let them beat the hell out of each other? If so, who would win? I think that would be a terrible idea and uh, a very reckless idea, if, if mm. truth told. I think it's a really, really... And neither of them would very, agree to it. Both very angry men. Yeah. Yeah, both very angry men. The uh, man alive. So, like, the... There have been two episodes of Dark Side of the Ring now where it's sort of like moved away from being about the topic to just being about how much Jim Cornette hates Vince Russo. Like they did it during mm. the Montreal Screwjob episode and they did it this week on the Brawl for All episode. And it just turns into Jim Cornette cutting promos on Vince, calling him, you know, saying like, I will outlive you so I can take a photo of myself pissing on your grave. And hate is a hell of a motivator. He is just an arsehole, isn't he? <laughs> rampant arsehole. He's very good, though. He's very entertaining. Uh, I got dibs. Uh, the Firefly Funhouse totally reminded me of the 1989 film Shocker, starring uh, Mitch Pigelli. Uh, they went, the, the way they went from show to show and scenario to scenario totally reminded me of that classic horror film. Yes, I said classic. Uh, peace and stay safe out there. It is a classic horror movie. It's a good Wes Craven classic. Uh, Nicholas Walton. Uh, I know we're getting Reigns versus Rock next year. Are we? That's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Rock. I think if you know if they can arrange it, I think that they would like to have Rock have a match. I mean, they've wanted Rock to have a match at Mania since you know he didn't. Have, he had the match at Mania twenty nine, so you know he was going to be Rouse, yeah. Rousey's tag partner. It's whether or not he's doing a movie that they would really allow it. Um, he says no, his contracts now that he's not allowed to wrestle when he's shooting a movie. Yeah. Uh, I know, uh, but how much better would Drew versus Reigns be for the title? Um, this would uh, end the uh, Universal title and give WWE one world championship. Rock can go on to face Brock. I don't really care. Uh, all I want in this world is one set of champions for a, uh, and a, a Firebone yard, yard House match. Uh, I see in US titles included, of course, there are another 12, there are 12 months a year. The World Championship could have six defenses for all, six defenses for SmackDown, same for the World Tags and the Women's Championship. So I think what Nicholas is basically getting at, he just wants one World title. Mm-hmm. I think they like having two titles there because then you've got a champion for each show and then you've got different rosters, which TV channels quite like to have. Like, you know, these are our stars, these are your stars. That's the only reason they really have a draft at WWE, I guess. Yeah. Um, I've always been a fan of just one world title, but I, I mean, you know, I understand the business reasoning behind mm-hmm. it. Um, it's, it's, all you've got to do is just make sure you treat both titles with respect. The reason why the World Heavyweight Championship just started to fail, fall apart is because they stopped caring. Um, yeah. Connor Going said, uh, firstly, so glad you've decided to make uh, Quizzlemania a weekly outing. That was the most laughed, uh, most I've laughed in a while last night. So close, Luke. As board game aficionados, I wanted to bend your ears. During lockdown, I've been working on starting a YouTube channel about tabletop gaming. My first thought was to an explain the style video, introducing some lesser known gems and describing how to play them in a fun, dubbed and humorous style. However, it's been recommended to me to try and find a unique take. For example, unknown ways to play your favorite games or standard rules versus homebrew rules, etc. So I wanted to ask, as passionate players yourselves, what sort of games channels might you be searching for on YouTube or think you'd be most interested in stumbling across? Thank you all so much. Uh, Love and laughter Mm. during this time. I salute you. Lovely time with the boys. Well, I would say if you're starting a YouTube channel now, then the best thing to think about is... uh either games that you can play with limited numbers of people. So if you could do rules for large, larger games, like uh, homebrew rules to make a four-person game, a two-person game, mm-hmm. because those might be the people you have available in your house, or ways in which you can play them o- like online. 
Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, I think that's probably like without ha- without everyone having multiple boards, like how can we translate these games that normally require everyone sat around one table into an experience where maybe three of the competitors aren't in the room? Yeah, no, I uh, completely agree. I think sort of like in a more uh, general sense, I and then whenever I watch tabletop gaming and stuff, it is to watch people, you know, you know, how do you play the game? I just like watch people playing the game. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's nothing more frustrating than watching a channel so like if you read a rule book and you don't quite follow what it is and then you watch a channel and they do it a certain way and then you read the comments and they're like that's not how the rule works i'm like well then how does the goddamn rule work uh yeah. you know I, i'm always looking for sort of very clear and concise ways of, of how to play a game and how to get the best out of it well i think that's yeah that's normally the the sort of the way people watch board games channels right they're, they're just looking for a pre-purchase experience that's it yeah normally to be like should i buy this because obviously quite a lot of board games are quite expensive so i guess it's do you want to do reviews because that has a limited bandwidth but they tend to grow over time as people discover the game or do you want to make the content the reason people come to watch it if you yeah. know what i mean so like what can you do with the board game and how you play it that makes people that makes it sort of transcend it just being about people who care about the game which is kind of i guess like kind of to a degree what we've tried to do with no rolls barred yeah like it's it's not we're not playing the, the exact rules of that game we're playing a different set of rules that are trying to make it a more watchable experience for people yeah totally uh tom delves good day lads i hope you're staying safe and keeping sane my question is is chris jericho already the best commentator in the world thank you for the continued great content much love from new zealand well, Tom, you're in luck because, by all reports, um, Jericho is staying on commentary. Uh, up and like for all the stuff that they've taped, Jericho and Tony Schiavone did all the commentary for it. So, <laughs> if you enjoyed Jericho on commentary this week, you're getting a whole heck of a lot of him, uh, which is good because I thought he was great. I he was so so good on commentary. He's very funny. Yeah. And lastly, from Iraqli, he says, "Hello, Wrestle Talk. Hope you're all safe. Uh, what do you think?" Um, how many wrestling fans do you think knew about key demographics before AEW launched? Um, I think if people watch this channel, uh, they probably did because we've always been talking about those key demographics. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I would imagine this has been sort of a very big learning experience for a lot of people. Yeah, I guess it's... Uh, I still don't understand what it means uh, <laughs> or what it does or why, why it's important. But yeah, I guess it's, uh, it, it's fairly interesting. Yeah. the weekends no <laughs> uh no um did get some hot cross buns delivered yesterday though, Ooh, from gales nice so, so that's quite exciting so yes the lord jesus will be in our house this weekend <laughs> yeah. um uh, but yeah other than that not a lot no 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 i don't really know where yeah it, it's this sort of lockdown thing at the, at the start felt like, you know, oh, it's a bit like a, a new summer holiday, really. This will be a new mm-hmm. sort of like fun experiment. Now we're three weeks in and it's like, yeah, but kind of, kind of done with it now. It'd be nice to go out somewhere. There's, only so, much, then, uh, there's only so much Brooklyn Nine-Nine one person can watch uh, yeah, on, really on any given weekend. I've finished a game every weekend. Cause Have you really? <laughs> basically, yeah, because I just like, I'll just play something on my Switch then. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I could like I could have used some of this time to. Uh, I mean, we've been lucky, really, in the sense of that we've got Master Chef and Great British Menu on, and you know Bake Off. So that has oh, really yeah, very, filled out the week. Very lucky. Very very fortunate timing, uh, you know, for everything involved, particularly with Master Chef. That you know that's like three to four times a week uh, on mm. TV. British, uh, British Menu is on three times a week. It's very very fortunate, uh, and Tiger King, of course. But that's all going to dry up soon, and mm. then. Then what do we do? 
like an undercooked sponge. Undercooked sponge. <laughs> yeah. It becomes too dry and unpalatable. Mm. Uh, let's see if we have got any email. I haven't even got my email. Um, we're doing a quiz tonight, you and I. Uh, how yeah. are you feeling? Are you confident about this week's quiz? Because you and uh, you and your lady partner do quite uh, well uh, in the in the weeks that we've done. Well, we keep getting cheated. <laughs> We keep getting absolutely robbed <laughs> because there's always a round about someone who is not me. <laughs> there's always just like, it's your birthday, here's a round. So, like, I think without those rounds, I would have won two. Well, weeks you'll be round. happy to know there is not one of those rounds this I week. I don't know anything about any. I don't know anything about any of my friends. There is none. Of, there is no round like that week. Um, mm. And well, how many rounds are there? There are no rounds about Ghostbusters either. Um, I can give you. A... That's good because that's also that's also come up <laughs> twice. Or well, questions about it. <laughs> this is the thing. Like the reason, so the reason we were, so the reason we did so well last week because I just went, well, it's going to be all things that yeah. Tom likes. <laughs> so I just looked up things that Tom liked yeah. before we did the quiz, <laughs> <laughs> and then just remember, I just like, for half the answer, I just went, oh, it's probably. <sighs> some 80s <laughs> film isn't it it's a bit trouble in china and it's like yep that's right yeah uh, i mean you don't have any of that this week we've got a uh, general knowledge we've got uh three game based ones um and nice. yeah two sort of question answer rounds so yeah i think it's going to be it's going to be good we, we're thinking it should be quite balanced among our group of friends we're hoping so anyway good because uh, yeah because i think george is uh losing his mind because he's like there's not been oh, a yeah. single question about british history <laughs> in this entire quiz so far <laughs> his round is just going to uh, be about tanks like when he gets oh when yeah he finally gets totally, his go yeah. no one's going to get any points yeah i'm going to do very very poorly mm. on that round um i won andy's quiz yesterday mm-hmm um there was a cracking round so we you know last week when we did the one with um uh ollie yeah uh, and uh him and his lady partner the and one of the round. rounds and one of the rounds was questions about him mm-hmm. you could play your joke around there or you could play your joke around on his lady partner doing sign language um i uh i did play my joker on not the andy rounds mm-hmm. um and i'm glad i didn't because i would i did very poorly in it but i did place my round my joker card on a, a roundabout wrestle talk and but it wasn't a round of wrestle questions that he'd created it was a round of wrestle talk questions he'd found on page three of google <laughs> that someone else had written Ooh. and the first question was what did luke have for breakfast this morning <gasps> wow <laughs> yeah right and i got it wrong because I wrote down muesli because I figured it would be muesli and it wasn't apparently it was the attitude era apparently at some point in a video I'd said I had the attitude era for breakfast (laughs) that's mad I guess so Um, but yeah it was was a quizzes But Randy had, I mean, bless his heart, he's such a funny lad. He did a sport round because he wanted to do a sport round. Mm -hmm. But none of us know things about sports. So what what Randy did was the most, um, what's the word I'm after? It was... It was quite a patronising sports round, I'll be honest with you. The first question was, name me any football team that plays in blue. Wow. (laughs) any football team and it literally was he was like i'll even accept a country and it felt very much just like i mean this is quite patronizing round now randy because you're you're treating us like idiots (laughs) and you're sitting there with all on your mountain of knowledge any sports team that plays in blue yeah it was very very good though good quiz um right uh i'll tell you what let's do um 
No, I'm going to save some of these emails. We'll do those next week because uh, I need to get out of here. I need to go edit all of this. Uh, and then I need to go and brave the shops, as I mentioned in the podcast. Uh, and look big up that pizza recipe. Big bank holiday plans. Oh, big bank holiday plans. Oh, yeah, if you're going to do the pizza, uh, yeah. do it as soon as possible, making the dough. Because you know we meant to make oh, yeah. it overnight. But I'm sure oh, it would okay. be, sure be, well, sure be fine if you left it from now until later. Well, we're planning to do it tomorrow. Oh, okay, so, so um, make it today and leave it for tomorrow. I'll make it. Perfect. Good advice, mate. Thank you very You're much. You're welcome. Um, well, we'll, we'll uh, we will be back tomorrow. Pete and Andy will be back tomorrow with the SmackDown review. Ollie and I will be doing the Raw review on Tuesday. Then it's back to normal with NXT and AEW and all that good stuff. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.